0: Today's episode of Backseat's Musical Podcast is brought to you by Canna Provisions. Canna Provisions is an adult-use cannabis dispensary with the largest selection of cannabis products in Western Massachusetts with locations both in Holyoke and in Lee. They offer a warm, unique shopping experience with guides rather than bud tenders. In fact, they're not just a dispensary. They're a destination. CannaProvisions.com. That's CannaProvisions.com. Adults 21, please and please consume responsibly. And now... Today's episode of Baxi's Musical Podcast with my guest, Steve Hackett from Genesis. What is it? What is it? It's Baxi's Musical Podcast. Once upon a time, Long before the band Genesis was cranking out one top ten hit after another throughout the 1980s, they were a band known for some of the most theatrically visual and technically proficient music of its time. And while Genesis would eventually enjoy a stretch of six straight albums that went either platinum or better, it's the early stuff that I prefer. For me, the most satisfying period of the Genesis story was the one that included Peter Gabriel and Steve Hackett. Not that there's anything wrong with that other stuff. It's all great. But go ahead and listen to Supper's Ready from their 1972 album Foxtrot. Go ahead and listen to Firth of Fifth from 1973, Selling England by the Pound. Or maybe you just head right to The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway from 1974. And if you still want to say that invisible touch was the best thing that Genesis ever did, then maybe you should seek professional help or get your ears checked because you would be wrong. From 1970 to 1977, Steve Hackett was the lead guitarist for Genesis. Hackett is one of the most respected guitar players in the world, not just because he played in Genesis. Steve Hackett has also enjoyed a prolific solo career where he has released 27 highly regarded solo records that have influenced everybody from Eddie Van Halen to Brian May of Queen to Alex Lifeson of Rush. This is a guy who was finger tapping a full half decade before anyone had even heard of Eddie Van Halen. He was also part of the 1980s supergroup GTR with Steve Howe of Yes. Steve Hackett's musical styles include rock, pop, jazz, blues, classical. He is maybe one of the most insanely diverse guitar talents that there is. The man can do anything, and he has. Steve Hackett is on the road this month where he'll be recreating the 1977 live album by Genesis, Seconds Out, in its entirety. And if you're not familiar with that record, do yourself a favor and fire it up because it offers the most definitive collection of Steve Hackett-era Genesis songs anywhere. In other words, his show on April 2nd at the Wilbur Theater in Boston is going to be freaking amazing. This is my conversation with the incredibly talented Steve Hackett on Vaxi's Musical Podcast. How are you, Steve? Very good, Mike. How are you doing? Very good. I've been a fan of Genesis for, for a long time. And I've always felt that the uh, the Peter Gabriel, Steve Hackett era of that band has always been my favorite part in the band's history. So it's a real pleasure to talk to you. So thank you. Well,
1: uh, the pleasure's all mine too. Thank you so much for the
0: compliment. You're going to be in uh, Boston at the Wilbur Theater on on April second. And the thing that's that's really exciting about this any anybody who's a fan of Genesis and that early work, you're actually going to be performing Seconds Out. In its entirety, it's a live interpretation of a live album, which is a pretty unique idea.
1: I know, it's crazy, isn't it? But uh, the thing is that uh, that album, which was done in 1977, um, was cherry-picking across the whole of the band's history uh, uh, from 1971 onwards. So you get the mo- most of the, of, of the 1970s, the shows that we were doing at that time. Um, and um, so I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of uh, very proud of the album or, 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 you know, all the pieces that were, were on it. And I, I, um, I love doing the thing and it, and it's entirety. Um, and, um, there's also a set of solo things as well. So it's a long show, you know, it, it comes in about something like the three hour mark with, with a gap in the middle, something like a, a 20 minute break, you know, where so people can go and powder their nose and do what they do. <laughs> um, you know, um, uh, but, uh, it's been great. I've, I've taken the show around quite a lot of, of Europe and the UK now, and um, I'm, I'm kind of on a wor- world tour, so Boston will be part of it. But we're in so many countries this year. We're, we're going everywhere. We're doing Canada, the States. Uh, we get to do uh, Japan, Australia, New Zealand. You know, We've done Scandinavia. We're, we've done quite a lot of Europe. We get to go back to Italy, which is fantastic. Um and it's it's a privilege to play this stuff with, with the level of band that I have live.
0: I, I spent a lot of time on YouTube preparing for, for these interviews, and and one of the, and all over the internet for that matter. But one of the things that's been yeah. happening a lot lately are these reaction videos. And I've seen a bunch of reaction videos specifically for Supper's Ready. And yes. the reaction that people have had, And you know, uh, the idea is, these are people who have never heard these songs before. But what's remarkable about the reactions is, is that everybody gets very emotional after hearing it. Like there's something about, you know, I mean, there's a bunch of Genesis songs that, that do that. But Supper's Ready seems to really touch a nerve on people who didn't even realize that there was that Peter Gabriel was even a member of Genesis. I don't know if you had a chance to see it, but it's really very, very cool to see people react to that music in yeah, I, that way. I,
1: I have seen some of that, yeah, and, and people who are coming to it for the first time, I think people are surprised at the quality of of the writing. So, uh, you know, in a way, Genesis was a bit like a songwriter's school. Whatever you think about you know, the, the different eras of the band, it kind of spans the gamut of various genres, so I'm...
0: What's uh, what's interesting about Genesis, is, you know, like you talk about, there are different eras of the band, and, and certainly they had their, yeah. you know, their wave in the eighties when they were, you know, cranking out a bunch of radio-friendly hits. But for many of us fans that precede that time, you know, we've always been just floored by the level of musicianship that Genesis, you know, brought to the table. I mean, there were many bands that did that. Then there was Yes and King Crimson, and and you know, bands uh, yeah. of of the time. But when you you know put it all together and you look at I mean how great Tony Banks was I think as a terribly underrated you know keyboard player and and how brilliant Phil Collins is just as a drummer never mind as a vocalist or a songwriter but just as a as a drummer and then there's you who you know is an amazing guitarist and we'll talk more about that in a little bit when you're joining these guys for the very first time did you I mean did you realize right away the the level of musicianship that you were getting yourself involved in or was it and something you discovered as you went along?
1: Well, we all started to develop together, naturally. You, know, you start off as individuals and then something starts to happen. Um, you start to influence each other. People open up to each other and um, a new breed of song comes along, sometimes extended to include everyone's ideas. Something like Supper's Ready, which you mentioned, of course, which takes up you know, one half of of an album there's no denying the fact that long form and and rock many people would say oh you know that's indulgent and you can't do that but then if the quality of the writing is good enough not only can that work it, it can also um you know take take root with with classical music classical music meets meets rock meets all sorts of things humor pantomime but the first time anyone gets to hear it it's a big surprise it's music that's full of surprises and changes and dynamics and, and ambushes and um, bits of romance. It's it's not a one-horse trick. So if people like their music to be developed, um, Genesis, I think, is a very good starting point, particularly 70s Genesis, when it was perhaps less, less hit singles, but more the journey that an
0: album affords. When you think of songs like that and albums like that. And you get, you could go through every single one of them, you know, unless you see Peter Gabriel live, you, maybe you don't appreciate, you may appreciate him for, for the, uh, as as a vocalist, but as just a pure showman, you know, that's, that's a guy that, you know, has spent his entire career, just, you know, his live performances stick out. And I know when he played with, uh, with Genesis, it was, it wasn't just, you know, just his own charisma, but, he's in costume, he's doing things on stage. The first time you see him do that, what was your reaction? What was the reaction of the band the first time he comes out dressed as a flower? Well, if
1: I can go a little bit further back, um, we were doing some complicated songs, and people tended to go off to the bar when that happened, and we were in search of an audience, and uh, we were wrecking our brains. And I said, look, what we need is we need to get a mellotron." And then a little bit later, we need to get a synthesizer. We need to be cutting edge. We need to have our own light show. We need to be able to control the environment. We we need to be able to, you know, people need to be transfixed, so that all this subtle and complicated music is put over in a way where they're not aware that perhaps they're being manipulated. Now, Pete decided to personify those songs. So the term theatrical rock was being hurled at us at the time. First of all, we were considered the art rock, then theatrical rock, and then latterly progressive <laughs> prog. But it encompasses an awful lot of stuff. So uh, the idea of Pete suddenly showing up wearing a dress and a fox's head—yep, sure, Anything that gets us a front page is is, is good news. You know, because it, it was all based largely on magazines and those. Get to do your own marketing. I think experience bears that out. So if you can be a very focused band, and Genesis was very focused, and there was a lot of through-composed stuff. You mentioned uh, Tony Banks, very um, adept at doing um, subtle harmonic changes with things, which characterized his writing. So sometimes he would be virtuosic. Other times he would be happy just to be a it serves the best interest of the song and the music, so everything is good
0: for the mill with all of that. I suppose wearing a, a, a fox hat is a whole lot easier than you know, letting your head on fire like Arthur Brown used to do. <laughs> At least there's less chance of dying in a fox head than there is setting yourself on fire.
1: There's chance, unless you, you, you might asphyxiate in a fox head, so he only <laughs> kept it on for a very short period of time, and it does rather interfere with the singing, but Pete never let anything get in the way like that. I mean, in recent years, of course, he was seen hanging upside down singing. You know, that was that was peace, So I think he was always aware that the broad gesture, the grand gesture, was always going to get written about. You know, so each show there would be, oh, what are you doing? You're riding a motorbike about on stage or you're hanging upside down. You know, it's, um, uh, but, right. but what was the music like? Well, you know, the thing that sold the music perhaps thing what is it they talk about hendrix years later is it about his virtuosity but it always comes down to yeah the guy who set his guitar on fire at the monterey jazz festival you know what i'm saying so it's always going to be mcdc the guy who wears short trousers on stage yep hey (laughs) at the end of the day you've still got to have the goods there still has to be the playing you've still got to be able to write a great song and play wonderfully
0: I think that does separate one band from another. I mean, there's certainly bands that get pigeonholed as being uh, indulgent, and and maybe it's because the the songs didn't have that same connection to the audience. You know, you talk about the reaction videos of some earlier uh, Genesis songs, and it's interesting to watch people have an emotional response to something that's you know almost 50 years old. And there is other there are other bands of that time where the music is cold and it doesn't have the same emotionality of it. And I think some of that has to do with not just the songwriting, but also the, 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 the precision and the beauty of a, of a guy like, like you and you, and your guitar playing that kind of puts that frosting on the cake. That really, really makes the song either, uh, you know, connect with somebody or, or run flat.
1: Well, you know, I'm, I'm a detail freak. So I get very proud of, 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 of certain things, um, that, the current album, which is Surrender of Silence, quite apart from Genesis, we do a track called The Devil's Cathedral, and I'm very proud of the fact that we start off with soprano sax and pipe organ, you know, which mm. is not a combination that, that most people would do, and the scales that they're doing, oct- octatonics, you know, I mean, it's it's, uh, it's extraordinary stuff. You don't know what scales they're doing, and it's always improvised. It's never the same uh, as every night, and then we get into the the, the The other stuff, which is very difficult to play and very very fast, and um, you really have to be on your metal to be able to do it. And it takes a few gigs to get the regiment, you know, really um, in in uh, in shape to be able to do that stuff. But it it means you've got a whole ensemble playing to a virtuoso standard, I think, you know. And if you can do that, if you can get everyone playing like the killers that they are. That can really work very, very well. I yeah. think, you know, so it borrows something from jazz. It, there's something from cinematic. There's something from somewhere else. I don't know. It's this X factor. You
0: you left uh, Genesis in 1977, and it sounds like you know you did it for what wound up being like you know purely musical reasons. That there wasn't a whole lot of animosity.
1: No, I, I, I did it because I wanted to be uh, free to be able to do on my own and and make albums on my own and that wasn't all on offer with Genesis at that time so I think that you know Pete left because he wanted to do solo stuff and the band wouldn't let him um, I did an album when I was with the band um, I was lucky it took off it, it did very well and um, but you know that that can create problems within a band when someone starts to have successful solo stuff but I think Genesis was in danger of hemorrhaging band members, mm. um, and they realized that really uh, they had to do solo albums for, for people to let off steam. And of course, you know, Phil, was, Phil Collins at that time was doing Brand X. And in yourself, and the band was already pretty famous to start off with, so, you know, um, he's he's done, you know, r- remarkable stuff, and, um, but so of all the guys in that band, you know, there, there were no passengers in that band. No, definitely uh, not. Even my predecessor, Anthony Phillips, wrote and played some really wonderful tunes with the band on on the album Trespass, that's, that's why I joined them, because I thought they were a great band to start off with.
0: I saw an interview that you did, and this this goes back to the early '80s with the, with Rick Wakeman. And one of the things that I just thought was really fascinating, and I've I've interviewed him a couple of times, and 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 you know, he and I have talked about this before. There's so much depth and longevity in your careers. There's so much solo work that you've that you've done. That you know, the two of you discussed the constant comparisons of you know the stuff that you've spent the last 45 years working on, as opposed to the seven years you were in. Genesis and he had the same issue with with yes this enormous body of of work that that uh, that followed all that and and the difficulty of of constantly being in that shadow is that something that that yes. you that you felt over the years and do you still feel that
1: well I tell you what you know I I have this this thing I think you know, I sweated blood to write those tunes in the first place with a, you know a five man writing team and that isn't always easy. Um, it's usually someone who thinks they know best. (laughs) Sometimes it was me. Sometimes it would be others. Um, uh, And it's also difficult for uh, singers to sing songs that are written by instrumentalists. You know, they haven't got to reach those notes. But nonetheless, you know, it it jostles along and sometimes you can come out with something really, really strong. But um, I've got no problem with doing those songs because I know that I've worked very, very hard to make that band happen. And, um, you know, with bands, you give it everything that you're allowed to give it. With a solo career, of course, you give it 100% because um, that's what's required of you. But I'm, I'm happy to work within a team and I'm happy to share songwriting credits as I did with Genesis back in those days. And um, but these days, you know, I'll, I'll write with my wife, Jo. Um, I'll write with Roger King. I write with other people, like I've written with Chris Squire, The, the passing of friends, of course, you know, it's, it's legion. The passing of friends: Chris Squire, um no. John Wetton, uh, Ian McDonald. You know, who hugely talented, who changed the shape and the course of music. And um, and and you know, to see brothers, you know, falling by the by the wayside, um, it's 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 an extraordinary thing. But you know, it's it's a privilege for me to still be able to get up there and and do it, and um, and and the years have worn quite lightly on me by comparison. I've been very very lucky with all these guys. We were all young blades once, and, um, but it's, it's it's great to still be doing it. Whatever I'm doing on stage, whether I'm doing songs that were written 50 years ago or, or, or five minutes ago, uh, I don't see any distinction between solo and and band. You know, you fight for it. You know, you'll
0: die for it. It's a hell of a catalog. It, you know, it's it's 27 solo albums since since over the last 45 years. And and I I did a little bit of math that the the Steve Hackett discography includes more albums than Phil Collins, Peter Gabriel, Mike and the Mechanics, and the post Steve Hackett Genesis combined. You've actually been perhaps the busiest of every of any member of that band. And
1: if I may say so, uh, the the amount of other people's albums that I've shown up on. Uh, doing solos for them, usually on one or two tracks, just as a a guest. And I never wanted to be anyone's session man. Um, Most of the time I've done those as absolute favors to people. And and because I know that I've had favors done for me. You know, I've been very, very lucky. I've worked with some of the best people in the business, incredible people, like Richie Havens, uh, Randy Crawford, the guys from Kansas the Walsh uh Phil Earhart um you know uh, uh, incredible uh, uh players and singers and, and, uh, and of course Peter Gabriel, so Collins mm-hmm. the most famous um but um it's been extraordinary Paul Carrick, you know I, I I I I've worked with a whole ton of people and 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 I realize I'm I'm leaving out you know a hundred other people who might be less well known but like the sitar player Shima Mukherjee uh, people from Azerbaijan from Armenia it's world music I've I've made friends with people all over the world and maybe they're not always you know known on the international stage and nonetheless you know these are people who've dedicated their lives and are incredible so world music Case of, we're
0: working with friends all over the world. Well, Steve, I'm, I'm looking forward to the uh, to the show at the Wilbur Theater in Boston. It's uh, it's going to be April 2nd. It's going to be great to see uh, Seconds Out played uh, live in its entirety. And, 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 again, it's such a pleasure to talk to you. I wish we had more time.
1: Well, thanks, Mike. I've really enjoyed talking together. All the best. Thank you. You, you too. Thank you, Steve.
0: Again, Steve Hackett is going to be at the Wilbur Theater in Boston on April 2nd. Thanks for listening to Baxi's Musical Podcast, and thanks to Canna Provisions for their support. You can support them by checking out cannaprovisions.com, and you can email me at at baxatrock102.com. Check out everything on social media, and we'll see you next time on Baxi's Musical Podcast.